up your hands as a sign of surrender to the Lord Jesus. We're in your presence today, Lord God, and we've come into this place for an express purpose, and that is to worship you, to give praise, and to magnify your name. Thank you, Jesus, for the power of your spirit and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, Lord God. Hallelujah. Thank you for what you've done in our lives, Jesus, and thank you for what the future holds for us. Thank you, Jesus, for everything that you've done and given. We bless your name and we praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Why don't we clap our hands to the Lord for being a good God. Hallelujah. Amen. The whole purpose for for the, the church and Christianity is about saving our soul and give receiving eternal life rather than receiving what we deserve, which is judgment, damnation, and hell. The Bible makes it clear that if we sin, the wages of sin is death, spiritual death and separation from God. And I know that all of us have sinned. Is that not true? There's not anybody in the house that's never sinned, is there? Anybody here bat a thousand, never failed one time? The reality is if you've ever made a mistake, if you've ever broken God's law, then you are a sinner. So all of us are sinners saved by the grace of God. Amen. That's why we needed Jesus. But you know what I found out? And that is that living for God is really, really enjoyable too. Amen. There is a lot of pleasure in serving God. There's real joy. And... uh, I know at different times, maybe I've been with a, a group of Christians or other believers or maybe my family, and we go into a, uh, um, in, into a restaurant, a bar and grill or something like that where they have a bar area, and uh, I observe uh, people pursuing pleasure and excitement and happiness, laughing, getting uh, wasted, and uh, just seeking pleasure. And uh, I, I just think about it. You know, they, they're, they're probably having a good time, but how empty is it? I mean, it, how is that going to fulfill and satisfy and meet the needs in their life? And then I think about when we gather together in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the Lord, there, there's just as much joy. Amen. There's just as much pleasure and excitement, but, but it doesn't leave you empty. You don't go home at night and wonder why are you existing? What is your purpose in life? And, uh, and, and why am I hurting? And why do I feel empty? I'm so thankful for living for God. Isn't it, isn't it awesome? Living for and serving Jesus Christ. And uh, I, I want to turn your attention to the book of First Timothy, chapter number 4. I also want to mention that uh, today at 4 o'clock is the class, The Way of the Master. And um, as I understand, this upcoming session is really incredible, really awesome. And so if, if you're at all able, I encourage you to come back by at 4 o'clock. Go grab a bite to eat. I'll try to keep the sermon short today. So you can go grab a bite to eat and um, then uh, come back for... Uh, the way of the master and uh, we're excited we're going to have at least one person baptized in water today in life church and we had five last week so uh, we're definitely celebrating about that Uh, but uh, if you're able come back by and check it out we're going to begin our new semester of life groups brother Donnie and Sister Kathy and I met. We're beginning our new semester February the 1st, the first week of February, and there'll be three elective uh, sessions that'll be going on, so it'll be an exciting time. In the meantime, we're having church here at Life Church on Wednesday nights. 1 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 7. Um, verse number 7. 
I'm going to read from the uh, New Living Translation, verses 7 through 9, then I'll read King James Version 7 and 8. But verses, uh, verse 7 says, Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual fitness. Verse number 8, physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises a reward both in both this life and the next. What does that mean? That there's another life after this life? Yeah. You know, that's what we live for. That's what we really believe is that it's not just about the 60 or 70 or 80 or 90 years that I'm allowed to live here on this planet. But there is another life. And guess what it is? It is eternal life. So if you I heard somebody illustrate it this way, if you were to create a timeline and this represents the beginning, that represents the end, then your life, your 70 years 70 years that you're going to live just comparatively just think of one millimeter of space that's your 70 years in comparison with eternity but here's the problem eternity has no end so there's no way to really illustrate it it's forever and so the bible says there is a type of exercise that's not just good for you for the 70 years that you're here on the earth but it's good for you during that time but it also benefits you in for in the in the purpose of eternal life in verse 9 this is true and everyone should accept it let me read verse 7 and 8 king james version it says exercise thyself rather unto godliness for bodily exercise profiteth little but godliness is profitable unto all things i want to just talk to you for a little bit today in the as we get into the busy season of the holidays I want us to remember and be reminded about spiritual fitness. Beginning the new year of 2011, we're going to go into a concentrated time of prayer and fasting. We're going to start out the year with a, a little bit of a prayer fasting revival and then practice some of these principles of spiritual exercise and get ourselves spiritually fit. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for all the good things that you've done for us. And thank you for the anointing of the spirit that we feel here on this family Sunday today. Jesus, we pray, Lord God, that you would open the ears of the hearers. Anoint my lips, Lord God, to speak your word, Jesus. Uh, let your uh, prompting and direction be uh, listened to and responded to by my spirit, Lord God. And open up the hearts of the hearers, we pray in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> the Bible says that we are to exercise for spiritual fitness, or the term in the King James Version is godliness, spiritual fitness. It says, take the time and the energy or the time and trouble to train yourself to be godly. Now, it's been uh, over two years ago. In the month of August, I remember specifically that uh, I was serving at a youth camp in uh, the uh, Western District. It was the final youth camp that we were part of, and uh, I was the newly elected youth president of the Southern California District. And uh, so, 
as a result, they, they wanted to do a little uh, basketball game between the campers and the staff. Uh, and so I agreed to play basketball. I grew up playing basketball. I love basketball. And so I said, yeah, I'll play. Uh, and uh, so I, I went out to play basketball. And I, for the first time, realized that I was fighting a losing battle with Father Time. And that I was not as young as I used to be. And it really hit me when I ran up the basketball court and then I ran back. And by the time I got back from one time up the court and back, I was breathing so heavy that I had to bend over. And I, I uh, realized that I was tremendously physically out of shape. And uh, it had been affecting my mood. It had been affecting the way that I felt. I, I, I just didn't feel good because I was doing no exercise and I was not concerned at all about my diet. And so that was uh, almost two years ago, and I said, it's time to change. I'm getting too old for this, and uh, things are getting out of control here, and I don't want to be physically uh, uh, incapacitated at a young age. So I began to uh, go to the gym. I got a personal physical trainer for a year, and uh, I did my very best to get into shape. And as a result, I feel so much better now than I did then, and there's very few of those young men that are here that can hang with me on the basketball court right now. <laughs> and uh, so, I'm just bragging a little bit. Uh, but I, I feel so much better. And uh, so, uh, but, but the process of physical exercise is something that requires discipline. It takes time, it takes trouble, it takes energy in order to get yourself over to a place where you can exercise, whether it's in your house or whether you go to a gym or whether you run outside in the neighborhood, you have to set some time aside. You have to focus your energy in order to exercise because you say that you see the benefit of it. And uh, I want you to understand that these verses that the uh, Apostle Paul is telling us, there's something very important about physical exercise, but there's something infinitely more important about spiritual exercise. And I think sometimes in this world, we forget the importance of spiritual exercise. And uh, uh, godliness and spirituality does not come naturally any more than physical fitness would come Naturally, it takes time, it takes energy, it takes discipline. Did you guys want to hear that today? That in order to be spiritual, you can't be spiritual just because you got the Holy Ghost a few years ago. That doesn't make you spiritual any more than the fact that you were born 27 years ago makes you physically fit. You are spiritually fit when you take the time and the trouble to exercise yourself toward godliness. Just like if I do not exercise, I will not be physically fit. If I never run on the treadmill or get out and run in the neighborhood or get on the elliptical trainer and do my physical exercise, when it comes time to play basketball, I'm not just going to naturally be fit and be able to run up and down the court with everybody. I've got to take the time and trouble to keep myself physically fit. And the same is true of spirituality. It doesn't happen naturally just because you're a believer and just because you want to be spiritual. It takes discipline. Amen. Everybody say he's preaching now. Amen. He's not screaming. He's not yelling. There's no sweat flowing, but he's telling the truth. Amen. 
This is the truth. We've got to exercise ourselves toward godliness. Now, if I were to ask you this this afternoon, I said, how would you rate yourself in spiritual fitness? When I started working out with the trainer, they made me do some exercises, see how long I could uh, run in place and do the step and they how many steps could I do and and then uh, stepping up and stepping back down and then uh, they they measured my weight and they took the little thing that measured my fat content and uh, uh, I found out that my uh, uh, body fat ratio was pretty good for a woman but uh, for a man it was really bad <laughs> and so uh, uh, they 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 found out where I was and uh, you know probably could have rated me no doubt from one to ten based on based on body fat ratio and ability to uh, to uh, accomplish certain things physically if I had to ask you how would you rate your spiritual fitness on a scale of one to ten what would the answer be what, what would one be one would be someone who is in poor spiritual health they're really really low on faith uh, they're, 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 they they don't give in tithes and offerings and uh, uh, um, they, they don't give of their gifts or their ability Abilities or resources for the kingdom of God. They're not very committed. And uh, obviously someone who's a one needs some exercise to become godly, right? Uh, and a ten would be somebody who's in great spiritual health, who, who has a strong and a vibrant and growing faith. Uh, they're a giver and they're active in using their gifts and talents uh, and their resources for the church. And they're very committed to their family and to their church family and more importantly, committed to God. And so the question today is, am I I physically fit and now am I spiritually fit? And I'm going to focus on spiritual fitness because that's what's important because it has inter- eternal implications and it's so easy to ignore it. And all of us, all of us, all of us are guilty from time to time of ignoring spiritual fitness. And we wake up one day and we realize we can't run across the room. We are so overweight and we're so unhealthy and sick and riddled with spiritual disease that we can't hardly make it. And we wake up and we say, it's time for a change. It's time for a change. I realize that if I allow myself to continue to go down, I'm going to die spiritually, but I've got to get myself spiritually fit. Amen. And a lot of the same reasons that people give for not physically exercising are the same excuses Christians will give for neglecting Bible study and neglecting prayer. Well, why can't you exercise physically? Well, man, I'm too busy at work. I, I don't have time. I, my family takes so much of my time. and I've got more important things to do. or I don't really enjoy it. I don't have a good time. It doesn't appeal to me. It doesn't call out to me. And those same excuses uh, for neglecting physical exercise, we use sometimes to neglect spiritual exercise. It, and uh, I, I, but before we get too far into this discussion, I want to make sure all of us are together and understanding what I'm saying when I talk about about spiritual fitness and spirituality and a person's spirit. In Genesis chapter 2, in verse number 7, it gives the story of when God created the first human being. When God created the first human being, which we know his name was Adam, God created him in this manner. Genesis 2, 7, it says, The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. When God formed the first man, first of all, he reached down to the earth and scooped up soil, matter, from the earth 
and formed the form of a man. He was halfway done. He had half of the project completed. But then the Bible says once he had formed this out of the clay and the soil, this physical body and shape of a man, then he scooped down or uh, uh, sat down or leaned over and he breathed in a, in, in a sense into his nostrils the breath of life. Now, the word breath here comes from the same word that we get the word spirit from. In, in the Greek language, in fact, the word pneuma means breath or spirit. There's not two different words. It's the same word. And so when a person is breathing, we say, in essence, that the spirit is still there. And when the breath is finished, the spirit is gone. And no longer are they a living soul. Now they are just a pile of matter which will return to the earth. That body is no longer a person. A living soul or a person is made up of two parts. Some of you have heard this before, but I want to remind you that you are made up of two elements. One part comes from the earth, from this world made out of the soil. But the other part of you that made you a living person came from God himself. And the part of you that came from the earth gets its satisfaction and fulfillment from the things of the earth. But the part of you that was breathed into you by God is not satisfied by anything on this earth. The part of you that we call the spirit man will not be fulfilled by eating food or by having sexual relationships or by any of the things that this world can produce. Materialism, recognition, power, all of these things that come from the earth can only appeal to the physical man. But there is a part of every person who's breathing today that came from God and it longs and desires something not of this world, something supernatural natural, something spiritual, something that only God can provide and only God can give to them. That's why I love, I love, I love to see when someone comes into the house of the Lord or slips into one of our life groups or Bible studies because their friend has invited them and they're not a believer in Christianity. Maybe they don't know who Jesus Christ is or maybe they grew up in a church but never had an encounter with God. But we start talking about the goodness of Jesus and then God shows up in our midst and we begin to pray and I look over and this person who has no interest in God, no interest in the things of God, wrapped up in their career, wrapped up in their relationships all of a sudden when the Spirit of God moves into the room, tears begin to flow down their face and they don't know why they're feeling what they're feeling or why they're responding like they're responding the reason is, is there's a part of you that came from God and one day it will return to God and that part of you that came from God on this earth hungers for spiritual things thirsts for spiritual things when you come into the presence of the Lord there's an awakening of this part and people who are physically oriented or carnally minded as the Bible says all of their attention is focused on fulfilling the desires of the part of them that came from this earth and they're pursuing after pleasure or recognition or money or career then they come in the house of the Lord and all of a sudden something gets a part of them that they didn't even know existed. Come on now. Hallelujah. Nobody's immune. You get in the presence of God, it'll move you. 
You can choose to walk out. You can choose to ignore it. But you can never honestly say, I didn't feel anything. and Something didn't trigger in my spirit. Something didn't move inside of me. You know what? God created you that way. God put it down inside of you. You've got a physical carnal man. That's why you got to go to dinner in a little while. But you've got a spiritual man. That's why something stirs up in you when we begin to sing about our God being a healer. And when God's people begin to praise and worship Him, it's not just about the environment. It's not just about the feeling that happens when we come together. It is the Spirit of God. And there is a part of you that hungers after things that are spiritual. Ecclesiastes 12, 7 lets us know that when we die, our spirit returns to God. It says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. Our bodies decompose in the soil. How many know this is true? This body that you take so much care of. These uh, people that are health nuts and make sure they measure everything that goes in. and Intense about physical exercise. Or these... People in, in this area, you see a lot of plastic surgery and Botox and, uh, uh, you, you know, making sure, trying to eternally look youthful. One of these days, I don't care how many plastic surgeries you have, that old body's going in the ground. And there's going to be worms eating up the flesh. Hey, this is reality, my brothers and sisters. You're not going to live forever. Amen. Your body's not going to stay in shape forever. One day you're going to be in the ground. One day your body's going to be eaten up. But there is a part of you that is eternal. And it's going to return to God. Amen? Your flesh goes back to the earth. Your flesh is temporal. It's only going to last for a little while. And then it's all over. But my brother, are you excited today that somewhere in heaven there is a loved one. There is a loved one that is eternal. And you're going to see her again. Amen? You're going to see her again. Because the part that God breathed into you is eternal. It came from God. It will return. My spirit man. My spirit man. And we, I think we make a huge mistake when we focus so much on physical things, on carnal things, on the things of this world. To the neglect of spiritual things. You know, I've preached it before many times that the real purpose for your existence is not this body. This body is just a shell. The product is on the inside. The Bible says we have a treasure in earthen vessels. This is just a container. Hey, this isn't even me. This is just a container that holds me. Everybody got what I'm talking about? Me only happened when God came together with this container. And I became a living soul. Amen? So if I focus only on things that appeal to my carnal or fleshly man, I'm focusing on the shell and ignoring the contents. Amen? Come on now. I, I you, you, you used to use this illustration as an evangelist. Uh, uh, peanuts. How many like peanuts? I like to go to uh, some of the restaurants where they have a big barrel. You ever been to one of those restaurants and they have a big barrel of all the peanut shells? And uh, you break open the peanut shells. You take out the peanuts. You pop them in your mouth. And what do you do with the shell? You throw it on the floor. You know why? Because the peanut is not about the shell. It's about the contents. 
Now, it wouldn't make sense if you, like, put all your attention on the shell. And how beautiful this peanut is. Look at the contour. Look at the shape. Man, this is pure modern art right here. This is beautiful. You're missing the point. The point is not the shell. The shell is just the container. The point's what's on the inside. That's where the protein is. That's where the nourishment is. That's where the uh, usefulness is. And in our lives, when we focus only on the physical man and ignore the spiritual man, it's as if we're taking attention and time and focus for the shell and ignoring the purpose, which is the content. And that's why you'll never really find fulfillment in life in just satisfying your flesh. It's only when you finally realize I was put on this earth for an eternal purpose. I was put on this earth to make a difference. I was put on this earth to impact somebody's life for eternity. Pursue after spiritual things. And the Bible says that these two parts of us, our flesh and our spirit, are in conflict constantly over our decisions, about the direction of our life, and about the interests that we have. There is a constant conflict between the spirit man that comes from God and the physical man that God gave us from the earth. They are in conflict with one another. The Bible says it this way in Galatians 5.17. It says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you want to. So there is a conflict the flesh lusting in opposition against the spirit it's like a tug of war but the rope doesn't break and people don't fall on the ground it's a tug of war that's continual between the desires of your flesh and the desires of your spirit man anybody know what i'm talking about anybody been in that tug of war some of you've been in that tug of war this week and you know what i'm talking about the flesh is pulling at you to fulfill and satisfy and and disobey god and ignore his commandments and do what feels good but there's a part of you that says no i love my god too much and i desire to please him too much and I want to be a spiritual person. I want God to use me. There is this tug of war that transpires. And when you focus only on the flesh and don't exercise yourself toward godliness, guess who's going to win? Guess who's going to win? These two components are constantly in conflict about our thoughts. Trying to control not just our direction and decisions and interests, but our thoughts. In Romans chapter 8 verse 6 it says, For to be carnally minded... That means fleshly minded or thinking about uh, the part of the man that comes from the earth is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And you choose which one is in control, either your flesh or your spirit, by what you walk after. If you walk after and pursue the desires of the flesh, the flesh is going to be in control. And guess what? This battle never ends. Battle never ends. And I remember uh, this story one time of... An old preacher, old preacher up in his 80s, somebody asked him, when, at what point in your life do you finally reach the point where you don't have to struggle with the lust, with lust anymore, the lust of flesh? And this old preacher said, well, you're going to have to ask somebody older than me because I ain't got there yet. <laughs> the reality is, you're always going to have this warfare and this battle. You always must remain vigilant and understand that the enemy is always there and that your flesh is always working against your spirit in this 
conflict. And a lot of times people like to focus a lot on, on, on demons and evil spirits and so forth. I tell you what your problem is. Your problem is probably not demons. Your problem is probably flesh that's out of control. Flesh that's not disciplined. Flesh that's allowed to lead. Because if you put the spirit man in control, good things happen. Can I get an amen? Amen. But my spirit is the part of me that desires God, the part of me that's concerned about things not in this world, the part of me that hungers after his presence, longs to be close to God. Isaiah 26 and 9 says, my soul yearns for you in the night and in the morning, my spirit longs for you. And just like someone disconnected from their spouse and how I think of these uh, uh, ladies whose husbands have gone off to war and in the night they're longing for their husband and vice versa the husband out on the battlefield it's good when he's got stuff to do when he gets in the bed and crawls into the sleeping bag there in the in the tent there out on the battlefield in the night he longs for his wife your spirit man there is a spirit man that longs for the presence of God just the same and when you're separated from God can I get an amen from someone who's been there before there's something inside of you that says I want to be back I want to reconnect I want to find that place again. Take me back to the place where I used to be in you, Jesus, where I felt your presence and I knew that you were real and I knew that you loved me. The spirit man is a part of you that longs and hungers for the presence of God. I love the presence of God. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with God's people and his presence begins to move and his spirit is in evidence. Come on, somebody. Why don't you lift your hands and reach after him right now? Hallelujah. Lord, I hunger for your presence and I thirst for you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. And my spirit is my God consciousness. It is the part of me that God uses to convict me about sin in my life. The Bible says, Proverbs 20 and 27, it says, The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inner depths of his heart. And when my spirit man is alive, I begin to feel conviction about areas of my life that aren't surrendered to God. I begin to feel conviction about things that I'm doing that aren't pleasing to God. It's the spirit that is the lamp of a man that searches the inner parts of his heart. Amen. Hallelujah. That's why when you're not doing right, you want to stay away from the presence of God. That's why, why when you're not doing right, you want to come to church and just go through the motions. And that's why when you're not doing right, you're no, no, you have no interest in the place of prayer. In fact, you want to stay away from it because you know the light's going to come on. And you know there's going to be conviction in your spirit. And you know God's going to begin to rearrange some priorities. God's going to begin to change. Come on, this is old-fashioned preaching. This is the kind of preaching that will get you to heaven. Come on, somebody. The Spirit of the man is the light that will come in. Come on in your light and make clear to you the things that need to be transformed and changed because if I have no spiritual pursuit, I will continue to pursue after the flesh until it destroys me completely. We know that as human beings, we are unique in this spiritual connection with God. Animals are living beings, but they do not possess spirits in a sense of like a human spirit and soul. And uh, I've said before that uh, I've never observed animals gathering together 
for a worship service. Never. I mean, I've never seen a group of dogs get together and sit in sit in rows, and the lead dog gets up at the front and just earnestly declares truth, and the other dogs howl in agreement. Animals do not worship because they do not have the part of them that came from God that longs to connect with God and desires to return to God. But you look at human beings in every culture, Christian, pagan, whatever it is, throughout history, human beings have always sought to connect with the supernatural. Whether it was through seance, whether it was through worship services, whether, whether it was through some uh, uh, tradition or ceremonial ritual, there is this sense, this awareness of a divine force because we are created in God's image and He breathed into us the breath of life. And people talk about how smart dolphins are. Dolphins might be smart, but they're not soulish individuals. And they don't get together and worship the Lord together. Ah! Hallelujah. They just do their thing under the water. Amen. But when God's people get together, and even if you're not God's people, when you come into the contact with God and you look at His creation, something speaks inside of you. Something declares. I was looking for you, Shauna, so you could do my dolphin worship. Something declares inside. There is a God. He's real. Hallelujah. He is real. I don't understand Him. I don't know all about Him. But there's something in my spirit that hungers and thirsts after spiritual things. Amen? And uh, a lot of people have bad things to say about religion, morality. And they say, well, well, just come on and be true to yourself. Do what you want to do. Practice free love. Naturalism. If it feels good, do it. And, and they would say that our moral restrictions or our compunction that we have, it's just a product of our religious society. If we were not brought up in this church, if we had no exposure to uh, truth, then there would be no morality. I'm telling you, there is a part of you that is breathed from God. And so this begs the question, why do the majority of human beings have little concern for God? Why do most people not care about the principles of God? And uh, why, why, uh, why is this since every human being is born with flesh and spirit, carnal and spiritual? It's almost like people have silenced this God part of them so that it doesn't interfere with their lives. And the sad truth is the Word of God states it this way, that human beings are spiritually dead because of the sin that Adam and Eve committed. We are sinners from birth. We are created, amen, and formed in iniquity and spiritually dead, which means disconnected from the Spirit of God. And so rather than being directed and led by God, our soul, our mind, will, and emotions direct our life. And we usually are influenced by our fleshly desires and our fleshly appetites. But God's plan is that your spirit man would come back to life, that you would reestablish the connection with His divine nature. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2.1 says about a person that's a believer, it says, And you have He quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin. You used to be dead. You used to be separated from God. There used to be no light shining in you. But God turned it back on again. There's desire again. There's passion for God and for His truth. 
and, and there are people in the world today who try to please God without being born of the Spirit. Maybe it's because of family pressure or their upbringing or the, the culturization that they're around. But it's really impossible to please God if your spirit man is dead. The Old Testament predicted that there would come a, do, a time when people would be born of the Spirit. People who were spiritually dead would come back to life again. Ezekiel 36.25 is the passage of which I speak. It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away, and you'll no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart with new and right desires, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony heart of sin and give you a new obedient heart. I will put my spirit in you so you will obey my laws and do whatever I command. In the New Testament, Jesus said it this way. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter into the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The key issue is if you want to be spiritually alive, if you want to be spiritually fit, the first step is you must be born again. You've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You can't just reform. You've got to be reborn. You can't Keep your same heart and your same spirit and say, I'm just going to try to be a better person. That's a big mistake that people make and it's frustrating for them. Right? Because God's plan is that He would take your spirit out and put a new spirit in you. And take out your stony and hard heart and put in you a heart that desires to please. This is an act of the spirit. Because if I just try to do it through my own abilities, it's just my flesh and my effort. But when I say, God, I want to be born again of the water... This is where you're born of the water right here. And you're born of the Spirit when God fills you with the Holy Ghost. And you begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives you the words to speak. This is the evidence of the new birth. And so rather than focusing on, I'm going to try to become spiritual. I'm going to try to become godly. I'm going to try to become obedient. The first focus is I need to give my life to God. I need to surrender everything and repent of my sins. I need to be baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ. And I need to receive God's Spirit. Everybody say, Jesus said it. If you're not born of the water and the Spirit, you can't get into my kingdom. Amen. He didn't say be a good person, you get in my kingdom. He said be born again, you get into my kingdom. That's what this church is about. This church is about a message of death, burial, and resurrection. Not just Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, but your death, burial, and resurrection. You've got to die out to sin. You've got to be buried in waters of baptism. And you've got to receive resurrection power through the Holy Spirit. That's how you become a new creature. Jesus said it this this way, old things are passed away, all things become new. This is new life in Jesus Christ. Something's got to die before I can have new life. Jesus couldn't have the resurrection.
resurrection till He died on the cross. And you can't be what God wants you to be until you give Him your life. The word is surrender. Giving it up. Dying. Hallelujah. I give up control of my life. I give up direction for my life. I give up the throne in my life. I give up the steering wheel in my life. I give up the pilot's chair in my life. See, some people have this misconception about Christianity. About you stay in control and Jesus becomes your sidekick. You keep driving the motorcycle, but put Jesus in the sidecar. It's not how it happens. You've got to die out and put Jesus in charge. People frustrated with their Christian living are frustrated because they're still trying to control their life. They're still trying to order their destiny. They're still trying to make decisions about what's right and wrong. Until you can say, whatever I think doesn't matter. But whatever the Bible says is the truth, then you're going to struggle the rest of your life. You might as well walk out of here right now and say, I'm just going to live for myself. Because if you walk the fence, you'll be frustrated. But somewhere along the way, you've got to die and say, I want to be born again. Born of the water. Born of the Spirit. That I can walk in newness. Walk. Walk in newness of life. Today you have a chance to be born again. Amen. That's the good news. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been living. Doesn't matter how bad you've been. You know, sometimes the, you get this feeling, well, man, I, I, I can't have a new start because I had too many new starts already. I've done too many things. You don't know what I've done. You don't know the mistakes I've made. There's no way that God could use me. You know what? The devil's a liar. Amen. God, God's going to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. Come on, somebody. God wants to use you. Here's the deal. God can't use you if you want to stay alive. The only way God can use you is you've got to die. Amen. And be buried in water. And come forth in newness of life through the power of the Spirit, through faith in Jesus Christ. The one who gave his life for our salvation and for our redemption. And the way that you would do it today, if you want to be born of the Spirit today, it's real easy. The first step is to repent. That means to give your life to God, to surrender control of your life, to believe that God's real and say, I'm ready to live for him. I'm ready to give my life to God. I'm ready to die out to my own plan and I'm ready to let God have control of my life. Amen. You say, well, I don't want to go quit going to college because I'm going for this degree. I doubt if God's going to make you quit college and quit pursuing your degree. But God's going to change the desires of your heart. God's going to put his passion inside of you. You may still be the best uh, employer on your job, employee on your job, and I think you should be as a witness of Jesus Christ. But your heart is going to be turned toward God. Amen? Repent and believe that the Holy Ghost is for you. 
And the initial evidence, how you will know that you have been born of the Spirit, the Bible gives us this pretty clear in Scripture. You know that you're born of the Spirit when you speak in other tongues or speak in a language that you didn't learn as the Spirit gives you the utterance. You won't understand what you're saying. You won't know what you're saying. Amen. It'll be the Spirit speaking through you. Amen. There's some people that are incredulous. I wonder, would you raise your right hand real high if you had this experience in your life, if you've spoken in a language that you didn't learn as God gave you the utterance? Raise your hands. Look at that. All over this place. Does, now, there may be a few crazy people in here, but I know everybody in this place ain't crazy. There's some normal folk in this house. Sort of normal. People that got good jobs, people that have careers, people who have beautiful family lives. But they're raising their hand and saying that one point in my life, I gave my life to the Lord. I repented of my sins and His Holy Spirit came into me. And when I felt His presence, I began to speak in a language that I had not learned as the Spirit gave me the utterance. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I just want to, for two minutes here. Mention those who are spirit-filled, but you're not spiritually fit right now. How do you exercise yourself toward godliness? Whenever you exercise, um, they, they tell us that if you work out for 12 minutes, your body releases endorphins. Endorphins are a natural antidepressant. They make you feel peace, feel good about yourself, and they relieve stress. That's why physical exercise is profitable. And these endorphins are released when you exercise. That's why I feel good after a workout. And God created your body and made this human body work this way. Don't you know that He wants you to get this same kind of feeling of well-being and satisfaction as you exercise spiritually as well? How many feel good after a prayer meeting? Hallelujah. And uh, in in developing spiritual fitness, it's not easy. Getting in shape involves discipline and commitment and hard work. But with consistent practice, the spiritual routine eventually becomes a habit that Christians can enjoy thoroughly and would not miss just as they wouldn't miss a meal. And so through prayer and fasting and the Word of God, we can stay spiritually fit. And in this new year... We're going to take some focus as a church body on remaining spiritually fit and keeping our spirit man focused and staying and becoming what God wants us to be. Amen. As this church, life church moves forward into the vision that God's given to us, we're not moving forward on the arm of the flesh. We're not moving forward on our uh, intelligence, our giftedness, or our abilities. Life church, how many knows how life church moves forward? At life church, we move forward on our knees. It's through prayer and commitment and sacrifice and loving God and putting Him first, depending on the arm of the Spirit, that God's will and God's purpose can be done in our midst. I'm excited about what God has planned. I'm excited about what God's going to do. I'm excited about those that are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm excited about those that are going to be baptized in water. Amen. I'm excited about water baptism today in Jesus' name. Someone being born again of the water and of the Spirit. Why don't we stand together right now? Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah.
Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. As I look over the, the congregation here, I can see things that not everyone can see. Um, let me re- rephrase that. As I look over the congregation, I know things about people's lives that not everybody knows. I know where some people came from. I know the traps that the enemy had on certain people. I know the desires and I know the emptiness. But I'm also able to look and see God's Spirit alive and working in their lives. Sometimes when we come to church, we look around at people and we think, man... These must all just be people that were raised in Christian homes and people that have been spiritual, focused on godly things their whole life. Guess what? That's not the case. As you look around, there are former drug addicts, former alcoholics, former pornography addicts, people that have all kinds of different things in their background, in their lifestyle. And these people that make up life church, as you look around, didn't change by going through a self-help program or a 12-step recovery system. They didn't change because they decided I'm going to reframe my life and try to improve things in my life. They were changed because one day a preacher preached a message about being born again. And they said, I don't want to keep living this way. I don't want to be this person the rest of my life. Some of them weren't what we would call bad people. Some of them were good dads and good moms and loved their kids. But there was an emptiness inside of them. When they heard the message of Jesus Christ, they said, I want that. I want that. They came down to an altar. They said, Lord, I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you everything in their own words. And they felt the love of God. The tears began to flow. And God filled them with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They got up from there. And they weren't perfect, but their life was changed. It wasn't that they never made mistakes again, but their direction was completely different in life. Now they wanted to please God rather than just do what they wanted. Now there was a desire in them to be close to God. It was the baptism of the Spirit. And I want to tell some of you that have maybe you're thinking in your mind right now, all this God stuff sounds great and this Christianity stuff sounds cool, but I don't think I have the willpower. I don't have the desire to follow through. That's why you've got to be born again. Because when God takes out that old heart and puts a new heart in, He gives you the power to live right. He gives you the desire to live right. He gives you the hunger and the appetite to live right. And that's why today I would love nothing more than to see someone be born of the Spirit. Is there anybody here today that believes that somebody can receive the Holy Ghost, uh, can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit before they leave here in the month of December? Amen. The month of December 2010, that God can fill someone with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, if you believe it, clap your hands and affirm it with me right now. So as I open this altar up, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to open this altar up for someone, some people who want a fresh start today. They want 
to let the person that's been controlling them die out this afternoon. See, that can include people who have been in church every week. That can include someone who is your first time here. That can include somebody who's been struggling just this week. And they realize that their flesh is taking control. And they say, I want God back in the pilot seat. In just a moment, I'm going to open up this altar and they're going to sing for us. And I want you to come forward if that represents you. If you're new to this church or if you've been coming to this church for years and you're saying, I need God to take this heart out of me that's begun to hunger for the things of this world and put His Spirit in me that gives me the power to live victorious and live right before God. Hallelujah. Why don't you close your eyes all across this place as they begin to sing. If you want newness in Jesus Christ, I want you to come forward right now as they sing. Hallelujah. to do is I want us to bow our heads. If you've come forward, if you're seated wherever you are, let's bow our heads and we want to pray together right now. And this is how you start this process of rebirth is to repent of our sins, to confess that God hasn't been first in our life, to confess and repent and say, God, I realize that I've allowed myself to get off course, to make mistakes. Jesus, I've I've, uh, not put you first. I haven't had time for you. I've been too busy with my own stuff. God, I'm sorry. And I want to give my life to you. I want to walk with you. And I want to live for you. Can we pray that prayer right now all across this place? Let's for just a moment right now repent. Hallelujah. Jesus, I want you to forgive me, Lord God. I'm sorry, Lord Jesus, for failing you, Lord God. I'm sorry, Jesus, for 
allowing my flesh to dominate me and to pursue after the things of this world, Lord God. I'm praying today, Jesus, that you would take out of me that old heart that causes me not to love you and causes me to pursue other things. And I may say in my mouth that I love you, but my life hasn't shown it, Jesus. I want you to forgive me, and I want a fresh start with you, Jesus. But I know I can't do it on my own. I can't do it through my willpower. I need you, Jesus. I need you. Come on, say, I need you, Jesus. I want your help, Lord God. I want you to step in and make a difference, Jesus, in my life. I'm not going to try to do this by just making resolutions and trying to do better. But, Lord, I want to die out today, Jesus. And I want you to put your spirit in me. Come on, there's somebody here today that you've been struggling. And what you need, all you need is a fresh baptism of God's spirit. All you need to do is break and let the Holy Ghost come in in a fresh and a new way. Hallelujah. Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, wash me. Let me put you first. Now, all across this place, lift up your hands right now. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray for the Holy Ghost wind to blow in this place. In the name of Jesus, I pray for the wind of your spirit, Lord God, to blow. I pray for those, Jesus, who are spiritually dead. I pray for those, Lord God, who are disconnected. I pray for those whose pursuits have taken them away from you. In the name of the Lord, let your Holy Spirit blow in this place. My words can't do it, God, but your spirit can. And I pray, Lord God, let your spirit come in. Take out the stony heart. Put in a heart that desires to obey you. Take out, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let there be newness. Let there be rebirth. I pray in the name of Jesus. I want my life to be yours, dear God. I want to give everything to you. Come on, let's lift up your hands and lift up your voice. New life, new desires, new priorities. Jesus, give it to me. I love you, Lord. When you've given your life to the Lord, when you've truly made that decision to follow after Jesus, there's an obvious next step in the Word of God. Jesus died on the cross. Then he was buried in the ground or in a tomb. And then three days later, he came out of the tomb with newness of life. The Bible says in several places that we are buried with Jesus in waters of baptism. When we go down the water in baptism, it is symbolic of Jesus going into the tomb and coming out as a new creature. When we go down, we go down with all of our sin still attached to us, if you would. But down in the waters of baptism, there is a cutting away of that sinful nature and all of those sins in our life. And we come out as a new creature and we leave something in the tomb of that watery grave and that is our sins and our old sinful nature. And we come forth as a new creature in Christ Jesus. Jesus was... 
crucified. He was buried and he rose again. And we follow to find new birth, follow his pattern. We die when we give our life to him at true repentance. And we're buried with him in waters of baptism. And this young lady is giving her life to the Lord. She's made a decision to follow after Jesus. She already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God baptized her with the Holy Spirit. About a month ago, right? She received the Holy Ghost. She said, I want to be baptized in Jesus' name. You know, some people think, you know, this is a mistake. Some people think, well, I got the Holy Ghost, so that's good. I, I'm, I'm fine. I'm finished. I'm complete. But the Bible says very specifically in Acts chapter 10 that there were some believers who received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. They spoke in tongues. You can read it for yourself. Acts chapter 10. I believe it's about verse 45. It says they received the Holy Ghost while, while Peter was preaching. And those that were with them were surprised that Gentiles, non-Jews, were receiving the Holy Ghost. But it said, but they heard them speak with tongues. So they knew they had gotten the Holy Ghost. And so we know someone receives the Holy Spirit when we hear them speak with tongues and magnify and give glory to God in this manner. This is the voice of a newborn babe in Christ Jesus. So they were spirit-filled. But then the Bible says in Acts chapter 10 that Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Now, here's a couple things. If it wasn't important, why would they need to do it if they had already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost? And secondly, if it wasn't important, why didn't he just suggest it or say it's okay for you to be baptized? The Bible says he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. New birth is about repentance, water baptism, and spirit baptism. Death, burial, and resurrection. That's the foundation, the cornerstone of Life Church. Amen? And we're excited that this sister is doing what they did in the Bible. Is going to be baptized in Jesus' name. Brother Donnie, lead us from here. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Today we're going to baptize Dane, and we're all excited. And I was explaining to her before we um, we were in the back room over here, and I told her one thing. I go, today... When you come up out of that water today, your name is going to be written in a book. And it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. And I told her, and nobody, nobody, no one, I don't care who they, who they are or who they think they are, will be able to erase your name. Amen. So today, after she comes up out of the water, her name's going to be pinned down on that book. And today, if your name isn't on that book, you need to put it there. Pastor Brown has been saying you need to be born again of the water and of the spirit. And while the door is open and while we have an opportunity, we need to walk right through it. Amen. Amen. So let's baptize Dane. Let's pray for her before we baptize her. Amen. Dane Davis, we want to pray for you tonight that God just blesses you and that he uses you for his glory and that he gives you, anoints your walk and anoints your steps and that he makes you, that he goes with you everywhere you go in Jesus' name. We pray for you in Jesus' name that the Holy Ghost would just surround you and put a hedge about you and would keep you and provide for you each and every way and that he used you and that you be a light in this world that we live in today and be a light that shines for him and for his kingdom. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Dane Davis, that you've repented of your sins and that God has already filled you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I now baptize you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of all your sins.
want to say thank you to each and every one of you for coming out to the house of the Lord today. And thankful for the presence of God that we felt here and the worship that's taken place and the victory that we feel in our hearts. And I want to encourage you, if you've made a decision today to give your life to the Lord and follow after Jesus, just come let me know because I'd love to see you baptized in water in Jesus' name. And I'm ready to see you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Before you leave, I just want to mention also, uh, remember, get your tickets for the Christmas event. Uh, that's going to be Saturday at 6 o'clock here at Life Church. Sister Anna, get on a stool and stand up real tall. And uh, make sure you see her and get your tickets before you leave today. And uh, also, um, remember the events happening here at Life Church Wednesday night. We'll gather together to hear the word of the Lord and worship together. And then next Sunday, next Sunday is going to be a really, really exciting time. Okay. Next Sunday, is uh, we've got uh, a medical doctor, uh, Dr. Clay Jackson, who is a good friend of mine and a powerful preacher of the gospel, is going to be with us. So that will be exciting. And I encourage you, if you have a, uh, a friend that's a nurse or a doctor or somehow associated with the medical profession, have them come out. I think it might be interesting for them to hear uh, a medical doctor preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that will be next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Share the love of Jesus with one another. And don't forget the reason for the season is Jesus. Bible quizzing practice at three o'clock. Bible quizzing at three o'clock. Way of the master at four.